It's the payoff. Better than those bozos Ben and John could ever be, baby. Glad to have you with us on a Tuesday night. In all honesty, we are missing Ben and John tonight. We will uh, send it out to old John Vacari for our high school basketball game of the night coming up later on. He's got a pair of undefeateds, Tri-Valley against Saginaw Valley with Heritage and Freeland uh, battling tonight in the township. And so John will have that with pregame coverage coming up for you at 6 50. Ben is off the rest of the week. We've only got two shows left before the end of the calendar year. And so glad you're joining us tonight on the payoff. As always, you know, you can text into the show 989-837-6125. That's the Fricks uh, Sports Bar text line 989-837-6125. We're going to get into a lot of Lions today. uh, And in particular, uh, Myself, Brad Tunney, Hudson Harkness will be with you for the next hour or so before we send it out to the township with John for high school hoops. Again, glad to have you with us. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've kind of been in the saddle. John, Ben, holding it down. Good to see it. And in particular, a lot of interaction on the text line and hoping to get more of it tonight. A couple things I want to set the table on uh, to begin the show. One, it uh, hits home a little bit for uh, some folks that I know and I know was uh, kind of stirring Twitter yesterday with regard to uh, ticket prices for the Lions going into next season, in particular season ticket prices. So I'm going to touch on that bottom of the hour, but I got to start with something that, um, you know, listening to the show yesterday, Ben uh, spent a lot of time on guys that he thought, you know, had great games against Denver. And that's, and that's certainly true. Jared Goff, five touchdowns, Sam Laporta, three of them. Uh, we know the offensive line played great. Jameer Gibbs has turned into something that I don't think any of us thought he would be at this point in his rookie year. And I think in particular, we've seen a lot over the last couple of weeks of this overreaction type radio with regard to the NFL. We all engage in it. We're all doing radio shows. Colin Cowherd on our air, Dan Patrick, uh, you know, Anthony in the mornings, Bill in the afternoon here. It's easy to get caught up in the NFL kind of news cycle that is always changing. And I think it's important to remember that in the NFL, things always change and will continue to change. But as the season goes on, instead of, you know, us doing overreaction radio again today or even normal reaction radio, I think it's important for us to kind of take a step back each week and take a macro approach of what we learned about the potential for a certain team each and every time. And I think yesterday was as good evidence as any for that with regards to Monday night football. And so obviously every game at this point in the season, for the most part, and especially in the NFC, has some type of correlation to the Lions. It's not us reaching for something here. It's not me getting on on a Tuesday and trying to find something that's related to the Lions for you. The Eagles lost yesterday, which means the Cowboys are now leading that division. They've got the tiebreaker over the Eagles. And so they're the two seed now in the NFC. The Lions are the three, right? We obviously know the Cowboys and the Lions play each other. And if the Lions win out and the Eagles win out, the Eagles have the softest schedule of any team in the NFL moving forward. They've got the Giants twice. If they both win out, of course, that means the Lions win over the Cowboys. Who has the tiebreaker? What would be the Lions? The Lions would be the two seed. It's not what I'm getting at here. My point is, 
I think as things change in the NFL, we tend to want a firm reaction on Monday of that's what it is. Remember, three weeks ago, the Eagles were 10-1 and with wins over Dallas, Kansas City, and Buffalo consecutively. Another win earlier in the year over Miami. Now they've lost three in a row. They're frauds, right? The Niners were 5-0 and off a blowout over Dallas and then lost three straight, and Brock Purdy was a fraud game manager. And that was the MVP favorite, and rightly so whether you want to have a discussion about him or McCaffrey or Dak Prescott or whatever. They were 5-0. and They blew out Dallas. They were the best team in football history. They lost three straight, and it was like, well, they're frauds, and now again they're the favorites. How about the Packers in our own division, in our backyard? They were 3-6. and six. Jordan Love was a bum, a bust. They missed all that time wasted with him sitting under Aaron Rodgers. And yet, even though they've lost two in a row, most nationally and locally in Green Bay and all my Packers fans in my life, think that he's now the quarterback of the future. And so how quickly things change in the NFL. We went from crowning Jared Goff on this show, myself in particular, after week six, after the Bucks game. Yes, extend him now, $45 million, worth it. Extend him. And then we spent the last seven weeks not knowing what to think of who he was as a quarterback, whether he was a game manager, whether he could take you to the promised land or not. And all of a sudden, we think he's the guy again. And so as things go back and forth, and we want to hear from you on all this, 989-837-6125, I think about all the overreactions we could have on a week-to-week basis. And what I like to look at every week is, look, what, what are the Lions most dependent on? What are their non-negotiables? Because that's what we learn more of every week. What are their non-negotiables? What are they most dependent on? I think last night we realized that the Eagles – not going to say that they're a little fraudulent. They've lost three in a row, and look at the last eight weeks of their schedule. And so the fact that they've dropped three straight, one at home to San Francisco, who looks like one of the best teams in the NFL the last decade, at Dallas, a divisional game on the road, and now at Seattle to finish probably the toughest eight-week stretch of any NFL team in the NF- in the league this year, I'm not going to kill them for that. But there are some things that look a little wobbly for them. Matt Patricia is their defensive coordinator. Their secondary still blows. There are a couple of things that are disorganized with them. They've got some non-negotiables, right? They need good offensive line play. They need better defensive play, and they need Jalen Hurts at his best to win because their defense is not good enough. And I think some of that falls on their coordinator play. We saw that last night. That's what we learned about them, and that's not necessarily an overreaction. Now, what I've got for you guys today is the Lions' non-negotiables. What are they most dependent on? And dependent on for what? We all have things that we're dependent on in life, right? You've got kids, you depend on your car, you depend on the school bus to get them to school. That's what you're dependent on. The non-negotiable is that they attend school every day, right? You depend on a paycheck. It's not negotiable that if you work the hours that your job says to, that you don't get paid. That's not negotiable. You deserve to be paid for it. To me, the Lions, as everything changes, and we've seen... Months now of evidence across the NFL for multiple teams. I think we know what the Lions' non-negotiables are. And so that's what I want to know from you. I'm going to wait a couple minutes to tell you what I think they are. What are the Lions most dependent on? And dependent on to do what? Well, I think the plan right now, right? We all work at businesses and companies and we all have jobs. There's always a plan, right? And then there's a goal, something that you'd like to succeed for something that might hit your bonus at the end of the year. The plan right now is to win a damn playoff game. 
because they haven't done it since January 5th, 1992. The plan is to win a playoff game for the first time since 1992. The goal for me, and I think a lot of you would agree, the goal is not to win a Super Bowl. Even though, yeah, you, you, we may get some hardos that log on and say, hey, obviously the goal is to win a Super Bowl. It always is. That's fine. I think the goal this year is to play in the NFC Championship. Get to that final weekend before the Super Bowl. Win two games. So while the plan is to win a game for the first time since January 5th of 1992, the goal is to take it a step further. To hit your yearly bonus. The goal is to play in the NFC Championship game, and if you ultimately lose to the Niners, hey, damn successful year. Great building blocks. Add some pieces in the offseason. We'll do it again next year before the golf extension kicks in, before all the money is paid out to Hutchinson and Amon Ra and Jamo's coming up and Laporta, and you've still got all these young guys and Penny Sewell and everyone on your stellar offensive line. The plan is to win a playoff game for the first time since 92. The goal is to play in the NFC Championship. What are the Lions most dependent on? What are their non-negotiables to hit the goal? And so that's what I want to know. 989-837-6125. 989-837-6125. We've got some text rolling in, but what I want to do is reset some things when we come back. We'll only take a two-minute timeout here. And when we return on the payoff, we'll go over some of your texts, and we'll go over the non-negotiables for the Lions moving forward if the goal right now is to play in an NFC Championship game. How do they do it? We talk about it next on the payoff. Let me tell you about the Lumberjack Red 100.9, the Met. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. We're back on a pleasant Tuesday night. Hudson Harkness behind the sticks tonight. My name is Brad Tunney. Glad to have you with us. As always, get involved with the show. 989-837-6125. You can leave us a voice message. You can shoot us a text. That's the best way to get a hold of us. We read every text on the air from wherever you may be texting in from. 989-837-6125. We opened the show today with, uh, look, trying to figure out what the Lions' non-negotiables are. What are they most dependent on? Look, for me right now, the plan is for them to win a playoff game. They're going to host it. They're going to do it against likely an inferior opponent, guaranteed an inferior opponent, whether they're the two-seed or the three-seed. The next step, the goal, is to play in the NFC Championship, get to that final weekend. And so what are they most dependent on to do that? I think as we go out every single week and watch all these games, we're all sitting down watching Ren Zone or we're all watching the primetime games, we all learn more about these teams. Again, every week we probably come in here with a different overreaction. Everyone that does sports talk radio, every time you go to the bar to have a drink with your buddies, you're overreacting to something. Whether or not Jordan Love was a complete bust five weeks ago, and now he's the future quarterback of the Packers, whether or not the Browns have been done eight times because they're on their fifth quarterback this year, and yet they might be favored in a first-week playoff game, whether or not it was the Eagles three weeks ago that they were the best team of the decade, and then all of a sudden they've lost three straight, and now they're frauds. And so every week, we can sit down with a different overreaction. One thing that I can tell you, though, that I don't think has changed from week one to now, and I don't think will change from now until Super Bowl weekend if the Lions make it there are these dependable pieces, these things that they depend on the most to win football games. And I think, number one, there is no question, there is no question that the thing the Lions depend on most, their non-negotiable, is a healthy and strong offensive line. Like, that's where it all starts. 
And so as we get some texts in, 989-837-6125, uh, one from Ryan here in Midland stating they're obviously dependent on Frank Ragnow. Yeah, that's a big piece of it, right? I mean, Frank Ragnow right now is the number two rated PFF center in football. I think he's awesome. I think if you made a list of the five best players on the entire Lions roster, not just moving forward, but today, who has the biggest discrepancy from their talent at the position in the NFL to the rest? Ragnow's maybe second, maybe the second best player on the team behind Penny Sewell. More text coming in. This one from Kevin in Midland. It's a tie for me between a healthy offensive line and a pass rush. Without either, they can be beaten by anyone. When they do both well, I truly think they can beat anyone. All right. I, I mean, look, I don't know if everyone would agree with the idea that they could beat the Niners, really, on anything. The Niners, we might be looking at, but I mean, the best team in a while in the NFL. You know, they had a little skid there, but, I mean, they get real quarterback play from Brock Purdy, whether you think he's a game manager or dependent on the pieces around him. They've got a stellar offensive line. They've got one of the best coaching staffs in the league. They've probably got a half dozen Hall of Famers on their roster. A really good football team. And inevitably, because you're two games back, one game back technically, plus the tiebreaker with only three to go, if you play them on the road in the playoffs, I, I don't see how you think you can really beat them. Jeremy texting in from Beaverton right now. Let me turn your question on you, he says. Do you see a path to what you are asking? I do, and didn't after the Chicago game, but Jared redeemed himself. If it's not windy and weather, they can beat anyone. The path I am imagining doesn't have them in a cold outdoor game. San Francisco is the destination, and he can compete there. You're kind of leading me into it, Jeremy. Last text we'll get to right now is from Michael in Midland, dependent on no turnovers. Yeah, I mean, look. What NFL team is not dependent on having no turnovers? That's a non-negotiable for everyone, right, Michael? Uh, I think every NFL coaching staff would go in, what's the biggest non-negotiable piece for you to win a playoff game, let's say, on the road? Can't turn the ball over. That's number one, right? We're trying to figure out what's unique to the Lions, and so continue to funnel in those texts, 989-837-6125. I like where Jeremy from Beaverton took me here in this conversation just a little bit because number two on my list behind a healthy and strong offensive line, and this is really simple, might sound dumb, and probably isn't the most second most important thing, but feels like it is. Playing indoors, period. Playing indoors. And there's a good chance that they will in round two. And so let's draft up a couple of scenarios here, right? 989-837-6125 if you want to continue to text into the show. Uh, ben is off the rest of the week. John's got high school football for us, uh, basketball for us. Heritage and Freeland, two undefeated boys teams coming at you at 650. The scenarios in, in the opening round of the playoffs is going to be a home game and they will be indoors. We, we all know the Jared Goff stuff, right? We've all seen him this year on the road. We have seen him away from a dome setting. We have seen him in the wind. We've seen him in Chicago. We've seen him do some things that we don't like. We've seen him throw too many ducks when he hasn't been playing indoors. And then we saw the complete inverse of that over the weekend, indoors, five touchdowns, comfortable setting. The splits for him home and road are startling. The splits for him indoor and outdoor are pretty startling too. And so it's not just an indoor-outdoor thing. It is a, a home-road thing. They go together. Goff indoors this year is a full 5% completion percentage better. Full 5%. Indoors compared to outdoors. The quarterback rating is almost 20 points higher. 
It's 18.9 points higher. And the touchdown percentage is more than doubled, 3% to 7%. And so for me, number one is a healthy, strong offensive line. Number two is playing indoors. And so the first scenario there in the first round of the playoffs, you're going to be playing indoors because you're going to be at home. And so if you're at home, the only thing you depend on is a healthy and strong offensive line. You get a win. And I would say even if you don't have a fully healthy offensive line, you're still favored. You still should win. It would be disappointing if you lost, but you could see a path to a loss. Again, these are the non-negotiables. Healthy, strong offensive line, and at home in the opening round, I think it's a guaranteed victory. You move forward to the second round of the playoffs. Who are your possible opponents, right? Reseed in the NFL playoffs. Let's say all the favorites win, right? You might have a Cowboys team in the second round. You might have the Eagles. If those are the four teams left, if it's Niners, you, Cowboys and Eagles, your possibilities are probably Philadelphia and Dallas. One of those teams, if you don't win out, you might have to play on the road, and that's Philly. Again, if you look at my two lists of non-negotiables, playing indoors and strong and healthy offensive line play, I think it's a loss because you're going to be playing outdoors in Philadelphia with likely weather. If you get Dallas, I think you can beat them even if you're on the road because you're playing indoors. So if the offensive line is healthy and you're playing indoors for Jared Goff, I think you should be favored. I think that should be another game, very similar round one of the playoffs, that you go into it expecting to win and you're disappointed if you lose the game. Those are my two. What do you have for me? 989-837-6125. Michael texting in again from Midland. I'd worry about playing at Philadelphia, playing indoors so important. Las Vegas indoors too. So I'm assuming they're in the super off chance. Man, Vegas. I don't know why that was brought up. Anyway, those are my things. I think there are other things that are, you know, the Lions are dependent on to potentially get a second round win, let's say, at you know, on the road against Dallas. I think Dallas is a good football team. You would want a good pass rush in that game. I think your secondary is going to be susceptible to what has become like a really good quarterback tandem uh, between uh, Prescott, Dak Prescott, and CeeDee Lamb. Right, Jeremy, thank you. Yes, Super Bowl. That's where it is, indoors. Correct. So it, that's looking a little too far for me personally. Again, my plan, win A playoff game for the first time since 92. The goal, playing the NFC Championship. And so what are the non-negotiables to get there? That's kind of what we're touching on right now. We've got more to get to on the show today. In particular, a lot of news breaking on Twitter yesterday with regard to Detroit sports. One was with uh, regard to a gentleman at Barstool Sports. We all know his name, Chris Casalani, who uh, wrote a blog yesterday stating that if Tom Gores isn't ready to make a change with the team, he should sell it. Or move the franchise. Can't think of how many things wrong there is about a local guy. Now, nonetheless, look, he's a a national reporter. He just happens to talk a lot about the sports here because that's where he's from. But thinking about someone locally, not wishing away a team in your city, but flatly stating that that's a possibility, that is a nightmare for a city to lose one of their teams. A nightmare. Go ask Oakland how they're dealing with the A's leaving. Go ask Seattle about how they felt when the uh, Supersonics left them, right? That is 
I mean, tragedy is having your house burned down. From a fandom perspective, that's the comparison. Losing your team, and, and not just losing your team. This isn't losing, you know, for what it's worth, it, you know, Detroit lost their WNBA team. It wasn't around. It wasn't, you know, a, a team that had been here since the 60s. It wasn't a team with, well, it did have championships, I guess, but didn't have, you know, the history that the Pistons have had. Yeah, they've been down in the dumps. The Tigers haven't won a postseason series in a long time. The Tigers haven't made the postseason in a long time. And yet we have someone with a platform like Chris at Barstool who wants to discuss the option of having the team leave Detroit. It was frustrating. And a lot of fans were frustrated by it. And rightly so. That's a disaster. And can't be a thought. It just simply can't be a thought. They'll eventually win a game. Could be Thursday. Losing your team is a different question. And the other thing we're going to talk about today is this rise in season ticket prices with Alliance. The Detroit News, I think, was first on this about season ticket holders being sent early renewal prices for next year. And it was startling. And so we'll touch on that next, too. We've got text still rolling in. If you want to chime in, Frick Sports Bar text line 989-837-6125. 989-837-6125. Everything that we've discussed already is still on the table for you. Dependables uh, or you know, dependent items for the Lions. How do they get to the NFC Championship? What are they most dependent on? What are their non-negotiables? And then we'll get into the Lions ticket pricing, too. i got a couple questions for you. If there's, so if there are any uh, Lions season ticket holders out there, stay on. i got questions for you. And we'll do it next in the payoff, right here on Sports Radio 100.9 The Mitt. In life, there are a few. Wait, not. The Mitt. The Mitt. The payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. Brad Tunney back with you on a Tuesday edition of The Payoff tonight. Sorry to break the bad news for you, but this is uh, the penultimate episode of the year for us. And so obviously this uh, whole thing started back in early October, appreciate you jumping aboard with us on Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. But uh, tomorrow we're off. Might have just started in the commercial break. Doubleheader, girls and boys basketball action, Midland and Dow. Uh, and so John will be out there. No time for a show tomorrow night. And then Thursday, Michigan State basketball, I think, uh, tips off at 6.30. And so we'll be off the air then. And so just a 30-minute show. And then we're off uh, until the new year. Ben, I think, is getting like a root canal today or something or... I think his wisdom teeth pulled. I'm not sure. That's why he's off the rest of the week. Uh, didn't think uh, he'd be able to talk through a, a, a root canal or a wisdom teeth pull. Well, whatever it was, uh, he is missing the show and uh, excited to get back in the new year, certainly. We've also got Freeland and Heritage Boys Basketball tipping off 7 o'clock tonight. We'll send it out there to John Vacari at 6.50. Stick around for that. But for now, we want to continue to hear from you on the Frick Sports Bar text line, 989 837 6125-989-837-6125. A lot of things in the mix right now, including the, Pist- uh, the Pistons. Uh, 24 straight losses after yesterday's game. Cade Cunningham, I think it was maybe the best game of his career. Best game I've seen him play. He was, uh, he was awesome. So if you want to compliment Cade or poop on the Pistons a little bit, feel free. Easy to do that. They play again on Thursday, trying to snap that streak. They'll get the Jazz at home. Good chance to do it. Jazz will be on the second night of a back-to-back, start of a long road trip for them. 
Pistons will be on two nights rest, carrying a little bit of momentum from the loss yesterday. We'll see. No need to get your hopes up. Plus the Lions. I think, you know, yesterday, Monday Night Football, Eagles lost to the Seahawks, and now the Eagles have dropped three straight, and all of a sudden they're frauds, even though they were 10-1 and and were world beaters just four weeks ago. And it had me thinking, you know, things change so fast in the NFL, even in our own division. Jordan Love was a a total bust, and all of a sudden he's the future quarterback of the Packers because he's put together a, a few nice weeks, and he seems to be a guy that can at least carry a franchise for a couple of years. Uh, San Francisco has gone up and down two, three times now. They had that many three-game losing streak in the middle of the year. Shoot, I mean, we've seen it all over, right? Uh, and so, yeah, we might have overreacted last seven weeks, just a little bit, but doing a talk radio show. Yesterday, I think, you know, Ben came on here, was pretty strong in some convictions about Jameer Gibbs being a top four running, or top five running back in the sport. Sam Laporta being the best uh, tight end in football. Jared Goff, uh, you know, being a franchise quarterback. I think all those are a little bit of a reach. I think all three benefit from playing behind, face it, the best offensive line in football. And that's my number one non-negotiable for them. If they want to make it to the NFC Championship, they need a healthy and strong offensive line, period. That's what carries them. That's the most important piece to this puzzle. That's what wins them their first playoff game since 1992. What is it for you? Because there are some guys in that offensive line, namely Penny Sewell, that I think we're, we're, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to say he's the best Lion since Calvin Johnson. I don't know who else you would stack up to it, but in terms of his talent relative to the other tackles in the NFL, left or right, I don't care whether he's on the blind side or not. I think the, the, I think he's the best tackle in football. One, PFF would tell you that. I think we see it each and every week. The amount of times they run to the right side of the line behind him. He's the best run-blocking tackle in football by a wide margin. Trent Williams, another great tackle for the Niners. He's had some great years. He's a Hall of Famer. Sewell is right on that trajectory. He's the best tackle in football. He's probably the best Lion since Calvin Johnson. And on this trajectory, is looking like one of the best Lions ever. He's that good. And he carries the best unit on this team and the best offensive line in football. When this offensive line hasn't been healthy, you'll notice the correlation is pretty simple. That's when Goff struggled. He was also outdoors a couple of those games. He was battling with some weather. But when this offensive line is healthy, it's a different story. You look at the top-rated offensive line games, run block, pass block games, according to Pro Football Focus this year for the Lions. What are they? Top five pass block games. All wins. In fact, they're 7-1 and one in their top eight games in pass block grade. And so again, Jared Goff is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not a guy that elevates your ceiling. We know that. And so when it comes to extension talks or whether he's a game manager, just about everyone in the NFL is a quote-unquote game manager. It's not slanderous to say it. Not everyone can be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Look, Lamar Jackson is dependent on his surroundings. Josh Allen is dependent on his surroundings. Joe Burrow might be in the Mahomes category. I mean, he took an awful offensive line deep into the playoffs. There are really not many coaches in the NFL, coordinators in the NFL, quarterbacks in the NFL that can get you very far without context around them. And so as we continue to learn more about these teams, 
I think that's what's important to remember. It's all about the context. The Eagles yesterday in particular, like there was a lot of national radio on our air today talking about how, oh man, you know, they really miss Shane Steichen. And they probably do. Last year, Nick Sirianni was one of the best coaches in football. And now all of a sudden he's a head case. Coordinators leave. Defense isn't as good. Poor judgment. Now Matt Patricia is calling the place for your defense. And all of a sudden Jalen Hurts doesn't look like the same guy he was. Now, all of a sudden, the, you know, the secondary, these guys, James Bradbury and Darius Slay, Slay was out, but regardless, right, they all look like different guys now. We all view Jalen Hurts differently because they've lost three straight because, well, maybe their offensive coordinator is not the same as it was last year, which is true. Was Hurts dependent on his offensive coordinator? Probably not. He's still a damn good quarterback. But that added context matters. The added context that now that the offensive line is healthy, Jared Goff can throw for five touchdowns matters. It doesn't make him a guy that deserves a $50 million extension. It just makes him a guy that you can win with week in and week out. David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, we had a conversation months ago on this air, on this show, talking about are they the best tandem in the NFL, running back tandem? Maybe. I think we can all agree they're probably not, right? Like just in terms of talent, we saw what David Montgomery was in Chicago behind a lesser offensive line. Like, all these guys are dependent on their situations. I don't think I'd go as far as to say that Jameer Gibbs is even better than Bijan Robinson. And Bijan Robinson couldn't gain a yard over the weekend and hasn't for a long time. He also plays for Arthur Smith behind a far worse offensive line with a no name quarterback and no receivers. And so to say Jameer Gibbs might be a top five running back in the sport. I think we're just, we're leaping to something, right? Is Sam Laporta really the best tight end in football? Nothing would tell us that. DVOA grades, PFF grades, right? He's a rookie tight end. Nothing in the history of the sport would tell us that a rookie tight end could be this good right away. But he plays his home games indoors. He's got the best offensive line in football. He's got targets around him like Amon Ross St. Brown. He's got an adequate quarterback. And he's got maybe, as we all think, the best OC in football. Now, does that all matter as context for him, Right? He's still not as talented, right, as Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, probably. But he's got a far better OC. He's got a far better offensive line that sets his quarterback up to give him time. He's got a real number one receiver. Travis Kelsey doesn't have that. They don't have the same offensive line. And so all of that little context matters. The one thing that never will change for me moving forward is that if the Lions can get strong and healthy offensive line play, they're a team that can make it to the NFC Championship, period. And so we want to continue to get texts in from you, 989-837-6125. Dwayne from Bay City continuing to time, chime in. Uh, says, no matter how tired the Jazz will be, the Pistons will still lose because that's what the culture has adopted, a losing culture. We have an owner who is an enabler of bad culture, and he simply has no care in the world to stop losing. The Pistons have been perennial losers for over a decade, and Gores allows, a losing, allows the losing plain and simple. Hard to argue that. I just wake up every day, put my clown mask on, and think tomorrow will be different. And so that's the mindset so far. Thursday, they've got at least a chance. They're not going to be eight-point dogs, 15-point dogs going into that game. Maybe a three-point spread. Who knows? Jeremy from Beaverton also saying on the Frick's uh, Sports Bar text line, let me ask you another question, he says. Did you see how Ben Johnson called the game this week? Last week, he was a puke. All right. This week, he has uh, gone to a head coach job. 
He called plays that his quarterback could handle. He knew his quarterback couldn't make the throws in the wind. At home, he called it exactly like he should. The team didn't change in a week. Agreed. And maybe if that's not the point that I'm getting across, Jeremy, that's the point I'm trying to make, right? Like, Jared Goff is is still a different guy. Whether or not the game is called differently for him, whether or not there are not a a dozen 20-plus yard throws downfield. We know the Lions have an explosive offense. We know the play calling does change. We saw it point blank. JMO's usage. And so, yeah, Ben Johnson called a better game. Give me a second. Man, how does Ben do this every day? <clears throat> losing my, whoa, losing my voice. All right, there we go. Power back up. Jeremy, you struck something to me. All right, let's get to Jalen in Midland. Gores needs to sell the Pistons and go move into other things. The late Pistons owner, Bill Davidson, and Jack McCloskey would never allow this losing I-don't-care culture. Gores and Weaver are not good, and these players don't care about playing defense because opposing teams always score easily on the Pistons. Opposing teams, no matter the record, circle the Pistons as an automatic win. I certainly think the culture has created that, 100%. I'm in agreement with you. Like, there is something to be said about a team that when an opposing team plays you, they have the utmost confidence in beating you. That's the snowball effect. That's the domino effect. And while I'd love to spend a lot of time on the Pistons today, I mean, that's kind of the direction you guys are taking me. Look, all transparency, I think Ben has mentioned, I'm a full-season Pistons ticket holder. That's my team. And it's been a damn shame that I show up every day and watch them. I think it's been a, a culmination of a lot of errors. Tom Gores is non-existent. They've got essentially three GMs, Troy Weaver, Arn Tellum, and Eric, uh, or Ed Stefanski. All three of them wanted different guys to be their head coach. I think Troy Weaver wanted Kevin Alley. I think Tom Gores wanted Monty Williams. I think the other two wanted Charles Lee. None of them could agree. They ended up paying a guy way too much money, and now he gets to sit and be stubborn and do whatever the hell he wants because he has full ownership of the team. It's unfortunate. And so you get a bad owner. You got, I think, a subpar GM. I don't think he's awful. I think all of us coming into the season thought this team could win 25 games, and yet now they're on the pace to win eight. Some of that is coaching. Some of that is injuries. I think at the end of the day, a 24-game losing streak falls most on the coach. How do you show up every day and not motivate a team to win one game in the NBA? Just a thought. 989-837-6125. Texts continue to roll in. I want to get to this season ticket pricing thing. And so uh, the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, both pushing stories. You know, let's lay it out for you. Dave Burkhardt, who's been covering the Lions for years uh, for the Free, had a story yesterday. Uh, He said uh, the Lions sent out season ticket renewals for the 2024 season Monday, and most seats saw a hefty increase in price. Uh, Now, a team's spokesperson did say that on average, tickets increased by 30%. But that's not what's being reported by the fans that actually were sent increases. Some fans were reporting increases, as it says in the free uh, piece, 85%. And there are photo evidence of that happening. Some seats that for the year cost two grand are now $3,500. Some seats that might have been $1,200 are now $1,900. Those aren't 30% increases. And so sure, on average, maybe. In particular, it's looking like the experiential seats got a huge rise. If you got a first row seat in the lower bowl, some were saying two to 300% increase. 
If you've got a second deck seat, maybe 30%. My question is if there are any season ticket holders out there, what did you see as an increase? And then overall, do you think this is fair? Here's some context. Over the last five years, Lions season ticket prices have only increased about 5% over five years. That's it. There was, uh, as the free purports, a marginal increase, if any, between 2018 and 19, 19 and 20. Uh, there were hardly any increases uh, going into the year. Then there was the COVID year. And then there was a marginal increase, if not a small decrease last year. And there were no increase coming into this year. And so maybe we're talking 5%. There was a 4% increase, beg your pardon, going into this year. So maybe 5% over the last five years. You would say probably that's pretty damn fair. That's overly fair. And yet some are reporting increases now of upwards of 85%. And so even if you average all of it together, it's still pretty damn unfair, I would say. My question, and then we'll get this after the break because we got to send it out to Johnson. My question is, the Lions coming into this year is reported by uh, some ticket data or around 15th in average ticket price. And that's just taking the get-in price. That's not, you know, average ticket of the average seat in every stadium. That's just, what's the get-in price at your stadium? And the Lions are somewhere in the middle of that. For me, that makes sense. Downtrodden franchise, haven't won a playoff game since 1992. You know, they play in a newer stadium. They're in a semi-decent market. Whatever. If it's an average of 30% increase, and most are reporting more than that, but let's just use what the ticket spokesperson said, a 30% increase. And let's say every other team is even at 10%. I mean, we're being very conservative. That would move the Lions into likely becoming a top five to eight ticket in the entire sport. A top five to eight ticket in the whole sport. Now, does that make sense? Should the Lions be a top, let's say, eight ticket in the NFL? Is that fair to you? Is it fair that a team that is yet, yet to win a playoff game in 30 years, should they be a top eight ticket in the NFL? They don't play in a new stadium. They're not Vegas with a new stadium. They don't play in Dallas' stadium that is fully state-of-the-art. They're not in a market like New York or San Francisco or L.A. or outdoors in Miami. They don't have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, right? And so I would say, at bare minimum, even though some of these teams don't have great attendance numbers, they shouldn't have a more expensive ticket than the Giants or Jets. They shouldn't have a more expensive ticket than the Rams at their new stadium, in L.A., no less. They shouldn't have a more expensive ticket than the Cowboys, Niners, the Patriots in Boston as a, as a premium franchise in a major market. Shouldn't be more than the Raiders in Vegas. Shouldn't be more than the Chiefs who have Patrick Mahomes. Shouldn't be more than the Eagles in a top-five market. And a great team, right? And so just naming those teams alone, that should put you somewhere around 10th at most. And so if you're a Lions season ticket or you're just a fan that wants to go to games because not only does this affect season ticket holders, but because so many season ticket holders these days are brokers that then sell the tickets, which are also going up, that'll mean your single game tickets are going up too. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% on some games. Will that price you out of getting to any games next year? I think it should be frustrating. I think it should be a little concerning, too, that the one year the Lions have a chance to do this as an, orga as an organization, they take it. 
Do the Lions, as an organization, deserve to be one of the top five most expensive tickets in the NFL? 989-837-6125. 989-837-6125. have got a couple of texts to get to. We're going to take a quick break. We've got to come back because John needs it at 650. He's got high school football tonight, Freeland and Heritage, two undefeated te- teams on the boys' calendar. And so we'll take a quick timeout, come back, wrap up the show, and send it out to John right after this. In life, there it. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. All right, one final segment tonight. John Vacari waiting patiently out there for a boys' basketball matchup. Boys' basketball. Hudson keeps telling me, look, man, it's boys' basketball. What are you guys doing? Not football, high school football. Anyway. Got a couple of texts to get to before we send it out there. One from James in Ann Arbor. I think the Lions can beat anyone when they play the way they're capable of playing. For most of the year, they didn't have all the offensive line intact. When they're on the field, they win and win convincingly. As we've seen on any given day this year, any team can beat anyone on Sunday. The Lions can beat anyone, including San Francisco. As we remember, San Francisco lost three straight this year and looked bad, but now they're on a roll. That's right. Look, I'm right there with you, James. I think anyone in the NFL can be had. I think at this current state, it'd be a little naive to state that this team could beat that San Francisco team, all things considered. Always appreciate the conversation. Michael Jeremy, last one from you today in Beaverton. He says, pay it. This is with regards to the increasing ticket prices for the Lions. Pay it. Fair, but this state has been without for so long, someone else will pay it. Strike when the iron is hot. Oh, so he's coming at it from the org's perspective, which is fine. We have supported them for so long and the family knows it. It's not the correct way to be, but business is just that. If you're not willing to pay it, the next guy will. People flock to a winner. That's true, except they haven't won anything yet. They still haven't won the playoff game. And I think in general, my question is not whether or not someone will pay it, because they will. They had a a season ticket waiting list of over, I think, 3,500 people this year, and that list during the season has ballooned to like 6,000 people. People are going to pay it. It's just, are you creating a little bit of a jaded fan base? And are those sellouts that you have going to be as loud moving forward if the fans are not your true fans? That, those are the concerns, right? The Lions right now are one of 13 teams in the NFL that are averaging a sellout. NFL tickets are expensive. The average ticket in the NFL this year across all 32 teams is somewhere in the $350 range. And so it's expensive to go to an NFL game. My simple question is, due to this increase, it's looking like it's looking like the Lions are going to have a top five to eight average ticket price going into next year. Is that fair? Should they be more expensive to watch? Should they be more expensive to watch than teams like the, the 49ers who are in San Francisco, California, than the Chiefs who have a maybe the best quarterback ever and are one of the biggest fan bases in football? Should they be more expensive than going to watch the Eagles in a top five market in the country or more expensive than the Rams or Cowboys? Like, that's the question. Fairness in comparison to the rest of the league. Because sure, the increase is probably warranted, but I think it came across as a, as a little tone deaf to the fact that you still haven't won anything yet. And people probably will pay it because that's what fans do. Anyway, appreciate everyone tuning in today. Again, we're off tomorrow. Final show of the year is coming at you on Thursday. It'll be myself and John Vacari. Appreciate Hudson Harkness on the sticks tonight. We've got high school basketball coming your way with John Vacari out at Saginaw Heritage High School. A pair of undefeateds, Freeland. 
the Falcons against the Hawks, matchup of a couple of uh, menacing birds, too. So appreciate you texting today. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back on Thursday with more of The Payoff.